I mean, of course, anyone who's the son of a coach, you always can anticipate them being a good coach. And uh, his dad was an excellent all-time great high school coach and uh, there in Arlington. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And uh, Joe John has done a great job and earned his way all the way through and, and uh, got a great personality to recruit and to coach. So, um, yeah, it's fun seeing them there. Believe me, I'm, uh, and again, but I'm not surprised. Folks, feeling a little bit better about Joe John. I know the the recruiting fans out there were all upset about what had gone down, uh, gone down at the tight end position recruiting-wise over the last couple of weeks, but feeling better after I made that comment today during locked in it's I don't know if there was a negative narrative around him but naturally the way things work yes you get a five star and everyone's like oh yeah he's awesome you know the local the local guys not coming to Oklahoma had everyone uh flustered but you know I I guess you know why they were maybe hesitant on some of those deals. They had a, a kid that was a five-star that was, you know, itching to come to Oklahoma. So kind of tells you maybe what some of their, their reasoning and motives were in that area. So, yeah, I, I think Joe John is an excellent coach. I think he's, he's, I think he's only going to be a position coach for a limited time. He's a he's, well. He could go to Levy as, as an OC somewhere. I think that's a that's a scenario that could absolutely happen. Definitely a scenario that could happen. Um, I, mean, I I think that that might be a likely scenario if Levy takes another job soon. Yeah, perhaps. You know, also the the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma is a really good position to think about as well. Uh, and I don't know what what that looks like. What that list would be. But, you know, there's there's got to be something that, you know, that's one of those things where Coach Venables has to be coming, he has to be prepared to some degree uh, moving forward in that regard. So, Joe John, excellent. Yeah, we've had a few texts today saying, well, the Northwestern job is officially open. Would um, Jeff Levy mm. take a peek at that? Would he take a look at that? No. Uh, no. It is a Big Ten job, but that's um Big Ten job with nice facilities, but a terrible roster. A lot of drama going on right now. Um, no, <laughs> anyone that has any sort of upward momentum should not take the Northwestern job right now, in my opinion. There's even rumors, and I think it's just that. They're probably just rumors. But I guess the biggest one out there is that Kalani Sataki, BYU's head coach, is interested in Northwestern, which I just I don't understand, man. Like, it's hard to tell exactly where BYU is going to fall the next five years in the Big 12 pecking order. But I feel, whatever that looks like, I feel more confident about BYU competing in the Big 12 than I do Northwestern competing in the Big 10. Don't you? Yeah. Kalani Sataki played at BYU. I just, like I said, if you've already got a Power 5 job, if you've got some upward momentum, you're not running to take the Northwestern job right now. Yeah, that's um, not fifty some odd days until the season starts either. I mean, we are barely twenty four hours out, um, and maybe not even that from 
No, we're not even 24 hours out from the firing, the yeah. official firing. So anyone announcing that they're interested or anyone claiming that they know a coach that's interested or a coach that's a fit, that is it's, – uh, it's Rays season, right? That's guys, agents looking to renegotiate some contracts. There's no way that Sataki would leave BYU when they're – finally about to come into some money in a power five conference and go to Northwestern. I mean, technically Northwestern is affiliated with the big 10, but uh, competitively never really have been outside of like one or two or three seasons sprinkled in every five years or so. Yeah. To tell you how fluky uh, the COVID season was, I think that was what the only season where Northwestern played for a big 10 championship. I think it was that year. Mm, that's when that right? that's when Northwestern made it to the uh, Big and Ten I, Championship game. Didn't they have like an incredibly easy schedule that year too? Oh, well, like every other Big Ten West team. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, let's see. Chris Rich says, I think he wants to position himself for more money. Yeah. That's all BYU will pony up. I definitely agree right. with that first part of it. I, <laughs> if you're trying to, to get more money and you're using the Northwestern job to try to position yourself, if I'm a school, I might be like, well, go, go ahead, take it. You trying to use the Northwestern job to position yourself for a raise? Have at it, buddy. Go take it. I would say, hey, um, if you need a reference, let me know. Uh, put me down on your resume whenever you send it out to Northwestern. Yeah, they um, I don't know, it's, they beat they beat Wisconsin, who's a top 10 in 2020, lost to Ohio State 22-10. And then beat uh, Olburn in a bowl game. Not a bad year, seven and two. I was shocked to find. I think uh, Fitzgerald has a winning record at, since he's been uh, overall. At, overall, since even after that one and eleven season, he still has a winning record. I think Jeez. so. I saw that reference. I guess I need to fact check it, even though that's not something I typically. He do. has a winning record in Ireland. That's probably what you saw. He's one and zero. He's one and zero in Ireland. Yes. Uh, let's see. Four hundred five. Jeff Lebby needs to sit tight for five years, win two or three natties. Then take over at Alabama when Nick Saban leaves. Yeah, that's right. Uh, down for that. Yeah. Uh, two or three? Why stop at two or three? I mean, doesn't it need to be? Yeah, dude, he's he's 110 and 101. That's not bad. He got out while the getting was good. He was going to be under 500 after this year. All, or uh, probably the all-time winningest head coach. I don't know if he is or not, but he's probably got to be up there on that list. Listen to this, dude. Uh, one, he was a two-time Bronco Nagurski winner, two-time Chuck Bednarik Award winner, won the Jack Lambert Trophy, two-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, two-time Consensus All-American. He's been the Big Ten Coach of the Year 2018, Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year 2020. It's a nice, nice little resume there. Heck so, yeah. the, so the question has been: Do you guy? Do you think that he ever coaches again? Well, if Hugh Freeze can coach again, if he can reemerge in the SEC, by God, Pat Fitzgerald will coach somewhere uh, at some point in the future. Pat Fitzgerald. It depends on what he wants to do. Uh, he'll be he'll be unemployed for fifteen seconds, right? Uh, he 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 can he can coach anywhere that he wants. There'll be people lining up to bring him in. Uh, heard Mike Gundy is interested in Northwestern. Says a texture in the four hundred five. <laughs> That's funny. 
Well, Chicago's beautiful in late November. It's great weather. Five eight zero race season. Does that mean we're going to hear Mike Gundy is interested in Northwestern? It's been good. It's been a good while since he leveraged another job to get a raise for a sixty five percent winning. No, 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 no. Hang on a second here. It's not raise season for Mike Gundy yet. After he takes this team that everyone thinks is going to be trash this year and goes and plays in a Big 12 championship game and, and wins a big bowl game, and I, that's whenever it's going to be raised season for Mike Gundy. That's whenever he goes on his, uh, his, his flights around the country. Peyton says, I would love to take the Northwestern job, coach for two years, and get a Big Ten buyout. He also says, you need to put some respect. Pat allowed some weird stuff to go on, but he was a good coach at Northwestern. Yeah, I, By hey, the numbers, yes, he was a good coach at Northwestern. I'll just tell you, man, that whole situation is – it's crazy from every single angle. It's crazy what the players were doing. Um, it's crazy that they had a, a third-party independent investigation that took a really long time, dug into all of the evidence, and after they completed that investigation, the leadership at, at Northwestern said, two weeks – Unpaid suspension during the dead period, by the way. During vacation time. He was probably already on vacation whenever all of this came down. And then not even 24 hours later, they make a decision to fire him whenever none of the information has changed. That's to me, is crazy. Yeah. And like, they really mucked up the the – like the – process in firing him and he's got got a bit of a case and he's had i think 47 million dollars or so owed to him he's gonna fight that one well to he the is end. so yeah he's hiring some big time lawyers for that tyler from kellyville says tom herman to northwestern oh is he still farting around up in chicago uh he's no, farting he's coaching, around right. down there at fau i mean touchdowns are hard to score so he'd be perfect there in the big 10 <laughs> Pat uh, Fitzmagic from the 405. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is on the same plane as Art Bryles. He's done. No way. I don't think so. No way. Sorry. 405 with the latest Northwestern news. Why is no one talking about the culture of the Big Ten back to, going back to Penn State, et cetera? Because I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a Big Ten issue. I don't think you can – I think every, every locker room, every school has its own little things that they do. Uh, some of them good, some of them bad, clearly. I don't think you can tie it into Big Ten culture. You just don't, just don't think that way, you know? I, if something happens at – like you could make the same argument about, well, Big 12 culture because of, you know, as someone alluded to Art Bryles and the Baylor situation. I just – I don't think – Conference links anything like that. Urban Meyer and two Northwestern. Oh, geez. Let's be honest. Northwestern has always been considered a journalism school, so this is a big win for the university. Right. That that, that, that could be true. Kendall, guys, what happens first? OU wins a natty or Lebby leaves for a better job? A better job? Uh, I guess head coach, like a higher-paying job. Um, I'd probably say Lebby leaving for a uh, head coaching job. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's probably right. It's just too hard to turn down. I mean, if you go to a Power 5 school, it's $5 million a year. How do you turn down 
three more million dollars a year to go run a program somewhere the way you want to. You don't. That's what you do. You don't do it. <laughs> That's right. 24-7 Sports has their uh, all Big 12 coaches team. So by that, I mean the best coaches coach. Picked? No. Oh. The best coach at every single position in the conference. Okay? Okay. Uh, Chris Kleiman is the head coach. Like it, love it, hate it. Like it. Uh, let's see. Offensive coordinator is Steve Sarkeesian. He's the best offensive uh, play caller in the Big 12, says 24-7. But he's not an offensive coordinator. I, I, I know. You see what, you're, what they're doing Can you here, do – is that – I feel like we've already broken I the rules. I they're, guess they're just basically building a dream Big 12. I, okay. okay, gotcha. Uh, defensive coordinator, <laughs> Pete Kwiatkowski for Texas. Oh he, he's a nice defensive coordinator, but geez, really, guys? Special teams coordinator, Jeff Banks. Who he's the one that had the ex uh, stripper wife with the monkey, correct? Oh, Jeff Banks, great pick. I'm down with that one. Yeah, at least get some uh, some stripper action in the uh, facilities. <laughs> Quarterbacks coach Kendall Bryles at TCU. Okay. O line coach is Connor Riley at Kansas State. Okay. Running backs coach Demarco Murray of Oklahoma. All right. Running back uh, receivers coach Casey Dunn at Oklahoma State. Don't know you fans want to run him off. Hmm. Okay. Tight ends coach, your boy Joe John Finley. All right. Uh, D-line coach, Todd Bates' nemesis, recruiting Doomer 1. I hope you're listening to this. Todd Bates for defensive line coach hmm, okay. in the conference. Uh, backers coach is the – well, the backers coach at Iowa State. Uh, the secondary – the D-backs coach is Joe Klanderman at Kansas State. Yeah. Hmm. So, this is exactly what I thought. Everyone – is at their position, except for the exception Sark. they made to yeah. give Sarkeesian offensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, correct. <laughs> I swear, man. But they gave, they've got Sark in there, they got Kwiatkowski in there as the defensive coordinator, and the uh, stripper monkey guy as the special teams coach, Jeff Banks. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, if, if you're like just – Assigning people random spots, I think you have to put Venables as either defensive coordinator. If or, you're going to go about it the way that you did with Sark, uh, yeah, yeah, he's pretty qualified as a DC. Either DC or, or at least linebacker coach. Maybe they gave him like equipment manager. You know? <laughs> he, he was third team on this list, kind of yeah. like his team in the uh, Big Twelve preseason list. Right. I don't know that anyone else on that list, other than Sarkeesian, I I don't know. That's funny. But, hey, DeMarco Murray, I like it. Joe John, I like it. We Todd need Bates. Some, yeah, Todd Bates on, on defense. I like it. I want to see it. it I, I like Todd Bates as a coach. I, think, I like him as a recruiter. I think he's done some good things. Like the guys that I know we haven't landed, the, the interior guys yet, but the – the battles that we've been really in on, we, just, we haven't been in on those battles in a really long time. And I feel like this year we're going to win some. But just as importantly, perhaps more, is the development aspect. I want to see a total change in the way that we play on the defensive line this year. There's really no excuses, right? You've been in uh, for a long time now. Two springs, two off-seasons. Uh, you've got a season, a training camp under your belt. You're about to go into your second training camp. By the time we kick this thing off, we need to have some dudes up there playing some top-notch football. How in the hell is Bill Biedenboe not their offensive line coach, says a texter in the 620? Well, because Kansas State has 
the best offensive line in the conference right now coming back and there's they're gonna be not, tough. That's gonna be tough to unseat them as the best O line. Not very much. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I look at their O line and a lot of K State offensive lines, and really, it's kind of the story with Kansas State. I, this is a position group for them that's played a lot of football together. Mm-hmm. There's cohesion. I, I, what I'm saying is, I don't know if the ceiling is higher than maybe what an Oklahoma or Texas might have, but just as a as an overall unit right now, yeah, they're 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 really good. Yeah. They're really good. Yep. They may have one first-rounder in there. Bo- uh, BB? BB, yeah, yeah, but he'll be late first-rounder. Cohesion is critical, man. Offensive lines that play together for a long time is big. Hey, uh, we got to hit a timeout, but I see a good text message right there at the top. Can you all explain why Jeff Levy is so highly thought of? We'll get to that on the other side. Quick timeout. Keep hitting the text line, 651-3439. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The AKS Summer Bead and Jewelry Show returns to the OKC State Fair Park Expo Hall number 3. Join us Friday through Sunday, July 14th through the 16th, and immerse yourself in a world of stunning gems, exquisite beads, charms, pearls, gemstones, and unique jewelry pieces that are sure to dazzle. Beading classes and supplies will be available. Admission is $5 for the entire weekend, and parking is free. Come out from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Friday. And it wasn't just a job. It was keeping my brothers and sisters safe. And coming back, it felt like kind of thrown away. If it hadn't been for Wounded Warrior Project, I honestly don't know if I would be here. It was like I got my family back again. We all felt the connection, like that brother and sisterhood. See how Wounded Warrior Project empowers women veterans like Donna by visiting woundedwarriorproject.org slash empowerwomenvets. Inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio on this Tuesday, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. Uh, text line, let's see, Chris Rich says, when is the last time a Jeff Levy offense was outside the top 20? Uh, it may have been, what was his first year at uh, Ole see, Miss? I don't remember what, uh, oh, oh, what year was it? Yeah. Um, well, his last year at Ole Miss was 2021. Was yep. it 2019 his first year at Ole Miss? Maybe. Or 2020? I don't know. Um, here's the thing. And just to go back to the, the text message, can you all explain why uh, Lebby is so highly thought of? And what was the other part of that? His first year without a net OU was a mess. I don't know what that means, um, without a net <laughs> Here's the why he's so highly thought of. I don't know if the texter knows this, but did you know that we were six and seven last year? Uh-uh. And we had the number one offense in the Big Twelve. I knew the second. I didn't know the six and seven part, but uh, yeah. the number one offense in the Big Twelve. I didn't know that. Number one offense in the Big Twelve. Which, for reference, the team that's picked to win it all this year, Texas, with the the best offensive coordinator in the conference. Sarkeesian was number five offense in the uh, in the uh, Big Twelve last year. Um, we were number one rushing offense in the conference last year, two hundred nineteen yards a game, number one by far. And the team that's picked to win it this year, Texas, who had the best running back that they've had 
in a really long time. Since Ricky Williams. A first-rounder. Texas was the number four rushing offense in the Big 12. Um, Lebby's had success offensively everywhere he's been. They were – what they did at Baylor helped change the game in college football. UCF, um, you know, massive offensive production. Ole Miss, his last year at Ole Miss, this is Ole Miss, right? And everyone wants to give Lane Kiffin all the credit for what goes on there. It's just not the case. Uh, Ole Miss under Jeff Lebby was the number one offense in the SEC, which, by the way, um, Alabama had a Heisman Trophy winner that year. They had a better offense than them. They had nearly 500 yards a game in, in the SEC. Rushing, I think they were. I think they were. I think they were the number one rushing offense. They, they oh, were close. Yeah, they, they ran. The, and, they ran the mess out of it, uh, especially with the quarterback Matt Corral at the time. That's right. So, um, to have the number one offense in the Big Twelve in his first year, um, with what I'm told is a mediocre quarterback, um, I, I think it was a, a really good job. Now. The offense wasn't perfect. They had execution issues. They were not very good on third down. They had several touchdowns throughout the season called back for um, you know, whatever procedure issues they were, penalties. Uh, they missed on wide open plays that he did a really good job of drawing up. Like, they were the number one offense in the conference last year, and I think everyone would agree like forget the talent issue where we've got to get better. There was there were the number one offense and the amount of meat left on the bone last year was incredible. Ron and Alito on the text line says my only beef with Lebby is that I wish he would slow down the pace at times and give our defense a break. I do too, and I'm I'm sure he does as well. Yeah. I just and I, and I told you before the year is you know my one fear with last year's offense was. I think they'll be okay running the ball up tempo. Will they be able to run the ball when they're not going up tempo? And there were a lot of times last year where they couldn't, man. They couldn't get a push up front unless they were going up tempo. That's the thing is we had we had shortcomings you know at several places. Procedure issue. Lack of being able to run the quarterback because we didn't have a backup quarterback is I think the biggest factor that held our offense back last year, that stuff's going to change. That's going to help them run the football. I think they're going to be way more aggressive with the quarterback running it this year. Um, but you, you, have a, you have a handful of weapons, right? You've got some things that you can do, and then you've got your weaknesses. And our weaknesses last year, where we couldn't beat one-on-one press coverage whenever teams would really come up and get aggressive at the line of scrimmage and good run-stopping defenses, you get them out of that by beating them through the air, and we couldn't do that. Um, you know, If you want to blame the quarterback, okay. If you want to blame the receivers, okay. I think there's plenty to go around there. But I think we're going to be better, more physical in the running game, especially in the interior spots of the offensive line this year. And like I said, with the quarterback, and I think that's going to open up a lot of things for them. And maybe it doesn't. You know, We'll just have to see how it goes. But I think all things considered, to have the number one offense in the conference last year, despite all of their shortcomings that we all saw plain and simple, 
I think that's pretty impressive. 405 says this was an accurate stat on Levy before the season last year. Jeff Levy's offenses have been in the top five in total offense in each of the past three seasons. You know, and other OCs can claim their offense was in the top five uh, in each of the past three seasons. None, not one, not even Lincoln Riley. So I guess that was yeah. true before he got to OU. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily project OU to be a top five offense this year, but um, yeah, obviously you're hoping it comes back a little bit closer to that. Yeah, I you know I don't I don't know. There's a lot like lot would like to see him do different things in short yardage. Mm. I mean. I, I just think it comes down. They got to get a better push off the line of scrimmage on those short yardage situations. Third and one. I mean, they came up short in a lot of third downs. True, but I, I guess tw- it just wasn't from lack of imagination. In 2020, they had Ole Miss was the number one offense in the SEC again. Kent State, UCF were ahead of them in yards per game, but they beat. That was that Alabama offense that was incredible, right? Uh, with Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and Najee Harris. Is yeah. that who it was, Najee Harris? Yeah. Yep. They averaged more yards per game uh, than Alabama did that year. So they've routinely done really good things. The system works. And they had okay players at Ole Miss. I mean, Matt Corral was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think Matt Corral's the best quarterback to ever come out of Ole Miss. But he was a dual threat. But, but he was a dual threat, yeah. And and that's that's one of the things. So this offense – just to catch people up that maybe like just the background and how it's kind of grown think about what Heupel just did at Tennessee with that offense right so last year uh Tennessee had the number 1 offense in the country guess what it's the same offense and guess what they had at quarterback a dual threat right they had Hendon Hooker running the ball at quarterback because they had a good backup. They had Joe Milton, who a lot of people think this year is going to be incredible. I happen to be one of those people. But number one offense in the country, um, had a great rushing offense, but a lot of it comes from a dual-threat quarterback. Arkansas with Kendall Bryles. Whenever they were playing their best, what's the kid's name? K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, 918, I think this team as a whole will be better based off one thing. Schmitty, another year with the man, the myth, the legend himself. I here, Here's just what I hope for from the I, – I wish for a lot of things with the offense, but I guess just the offensive line. It's what we just brought up a, a few minutes ago. Be able to run the ball without going – having to go tempo. I yeah, think – dude. 100%. Like the the margins were so slim last year, but just that – like if they're ready – if they're able to consistently run the ball – Without going no huddle as 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 well as they will with no huddle, they'll they'll, they'll be they'll be they'll be fine running the football. But yeah. they've got to be able to accomplish that. Yeah. Well, I I I understand everyone's frustration. I was frustrated as well last year as as people got the book on Oklahoma last year. It became incredibly difficult. You come up, you press them, you pile the box, and. Since we can't win in one-on-one with our wideouts, the only thing we're left with is going tempo inside run game or the little bubble and whatever it's called. What are the thing, uh, the sweep yeah. stuff? That's all we had. And whenever everyone's crowded around the line of scrimmage, you ain't going nowhere with that. But, like, those are the checks. You come to the line of scrimmage and you have press man – like, 
and you can't win, like you got nowhere else to go if yeah. you can't win those one on ones. Well, they, and I don't think that they want to be a true hurry up offense that goes tempo all the time. They want to use it as a weapon. The problem yeah. was last year they had to that had they to had be their to I, that it. had to be their identity. And with the defense that was less than stellar, it was it really was kind of a recipe for disaster, wasn't it? That yeah. they had to be an up tempo offense that couldn't win on one on ones. And we saw last year, man, when they would go consecutive three and outs, God, that put the defense in a tough spot. Yeah. You talk about complimentary football. It's tough to play complimentary football when things look like that. No, I agree. I agree. Um, But offensive line, interior, I think we have a chance to be quite a bit better there this year. I think that's going to be critical. I think we're going to be good at running back. Um, Offensive – or. Quarterback run game, though, to me, is going to be the real key that opens up the true potential for this offense. And maybe that's Dylan Gabriel, and maybe it's not. You know? I mean, Oh, I know. Trust me. I saw the kid run the football last year. And I understand yeah. it was at the high school level, but it was at the 6A Texas high school level. He, uh, he can make plays with his feet. Yeah. Ain't no doubts. So, I, it's going to happen one way or another. Uh, so... To me, that's that's the real thing to watch. All right, quick timeout, late for a break. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Weight loss surgery is more than a procedure. It's a life-changing experience. At Norman Regional's Journey Clinic, our goal is to empower our patients so they can achieve their fullest potential in health and in life. Our nationally accredited program offers support through every stage of your weight loss journey, giving you all the resources you need along the way. The path to a healthier you isn't one you have to walk alone. Call 405-515-2049 or visit journeyclinic.com to set an appointment and discover if Journey Clinic is right for you. Wake up with Toby Rowland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three hours. And T.J. Perry. (laughs) What a bomb. What a complete bomb. The T-Row in the morning show. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. I'm a law firm. Do you want to actually talk to a lawyer at Yala Gosney Law? Communication is a priority. That's Yala Gosney Law, 405-800-8080. 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is. I'll start here. And now, maybe this thing has been resolved. Maybe not. But within the last hour or so, it was still out there that there's a SWAT standoff right now at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Really? Wow. I saw a clip where there was a window broken out up in the tower of Caesars Palace and someone was throwing like... um, like the dresser and like the nightstand out the window. I guess there's some type of uh, standoff going there at Caesar's Palace. So interesting. And I know some people probably, when you start seeing windows get taken out of uh, hotel rooms in yeah, Las Vegas, triggers people, uh, triggers a, probably a pretty. Uh, the main event's going on right now out in Vegas, the big poker tournament. Oh, really? Yeah, my buddy just got knocked out yesterday, so uh, I, I know this. Well, that's cool. 
standoff at Caesars, not cool. Maybe it's him. I haven't heard from He's him ups- today. He's upset. <laughs> Went on a bender. He did and... make the money just barely, but now, he could be upset. He wasn't that guy that was streaking through the casinos. And that got I on... can't confirm that was him, yes. he did. This guy Put did jump Snapchat. up on the poker table. Did you see that? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> uh, next thing I had was Zion Williamson. He's talking about his diet struggles, um, how it's difficult for him. I understand. I can sympathize. If you're 20, 21 years old, 22, however old he is, still incredibly young, and your team really doesn't care if you play or if you're often injured or if you're overweight and go ahead and give you a $200 million contract anyways, like what's the point? You know what I'm saying? It's been a really rough offseason for Zion, has it not? Yeah. Uh, his personal life more than ever has been um... – well, it's been pretty public, hasn't it? It's it's out there. If you don't so. know what we're referencing, just uh, Google Zion Baby Mama, and uh, oh boy, you'll figure it out quick. The other thing, I I kind of wanted your take on this. Otani, on pace to hit like 56 home runs. Um, just the guy's incredible. But there's a bit of a standoff, or I don't know, with the Angels. They are below 500 right now. Looks like they're going to take their time with this deal, but some people saying he's going to get like a $500 million contract. Well, yeah, I mean, he he might get dealt at the deadline, potentially. Uh, Free agency this next offseason could be massive for him, and I'm glad that you brought that up. I mean, that'll be – it'll be the biggest trade that we've seen in the sport since – I mean, I I don't even know the the last time. I mean, I guess A-Rod was dealt to the Yankees, and that was a big-time deal. Um is it? It's probably bigger than that. I mean, he's a two-way player. It's it, it'd be the biggest story in baseball in quite some time. Is is what I'm saying? That's crazy. Think about that. And he's going to go to a major market, most likely. A Rod. Like, when did he go to the Rangers? Was it 2002 no. that he or 2000, 2001? It was before that. Maybe 02 he got dealt. Uh, I, I know in 05. I'm trying to think. Well, I'm saying when did he go from the Seattle to Seattle Texas? To Texas. Because that's when he signed like a $252 million deal. Yeah, I think 05. I want to say 05 was his first year with the Yankees. I could be wrong about that. So maybe it was like 01 was his first year with the Rangers. 20-plus years ago, like think about how big that contract was at that oh, time. Oh, $252 million was just uh, crazy. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was stupid. And I I think Otani's going to be right there on that, on that level with what all he gives you. So this goes to my first story. <laughs> so uh, with all of that, like and some teams thinking that maybe they could have a chance with Otani at the trade deadline, which, I mean, considerably changes the outlook of your team. My favorite team is the Atlanta Braves. They're the best team in the bigs. I can't even imagine. If the Braves were to get Otani, they're probably already the favorite to win the World Series. What does it look like after that? I mean, geez. So anyway, with that, Pete Alonso, star for the New York Mets, was asked yesterday, hey, um, you know, maybe the Mets could be interested in Otani. Give us your best, uh, best uh, recruiting pitch for uh, Otani. <laughs> Grade this recruiting pitch from Pete Alonso. Um, I honestly, to, it's a great city to live in. I mean, the city field's a, a really fun place to play, and um, and it's, I mean, 
Yeah, it's a great. New York's a great city. We have an excellent fan base, and it's uh, it's just an incredible place to play. It's the number one thing. From a scale of Dan Mullen to ten, ten being the highest, how great is that recruiting pitch? <laughs> it may be all you have to work with. Uh, I mean, New York's cool. Um, the park's all right as well. So yeah, come join us, man. Sure. Yeah, I. Th- yeah, tough. He's 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 weird, man. Pete Alonzo's a weird dude. But I don't know where he's going to end up. That's going to be wild to see all that unfold. But that's all I got. Taylor Tatum, five-star running back, announced yeah. yesterday that he is going to decide a week from Friday it's OU or USC on July 21st. How do you feel about that one? I, I feel good about it, and I felt even better yesterday when that was released that this decision is not going to get out of the month of July. It's coming a week from Friday. All the signs point towards OU for football and baseball reasons, so I feel good about OU getting a major win over Muleshoe. Here's the thing, that's, man. That's how I feel. I I don't know how big, but I think the Southeastern Conference baseball situation has to help in that regard 100% also. It does. I think yeah. it's already helped twice with he and James Nesta, the four-star backer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, jeez. The, the whole Alabama baseball situation where the coach was far during the middle of the year for yeah. the gambling scandal. Maybe this was already released. If so, I just hadn't seen it. Um, his buddy, Burt Eugene Neff Jr., which that sounds like a shady gambler right mm-hmm. there. Burt Eugene Neff Jr., an Indiana travel ball coach and former collegiate pitcher. He was the guy, and he placed a $100,000 wager on LSU to beat Alabama in a college baseball game this year. Wow. So, yeah, I'm sure that that um, alarmed some uh, bells up there. 100000 on a random LSU-Alabama baseball game. And apparently, old Burt Eugene Neff Jr. was bragging to people at the sports book that he had inside knowledge about the game. <laughs> what a moron. Uh, don't – whenever they get something, uh, like, traditionally – if someone has like some type of big inside information or maybe, I don't know, the coach is throwing the game like they were at Alabama, um, don't they usually like spread those bets out to a bunch of books everywhere? Maybe it's hard in college baseball that you, it's hard to find a bunch of places that will take it. I don't know. But, yeah, you walk up randomly to a, a sports book and try and throw down $100,000 on a random game, <laughs> you're going to get some people uh, digging into what's happening. The University of Georgia has sent a demand for retraction letter regarding coverage from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC has AJC. been very tough on Georgia this offseason. The nine-page letter specifically asked for the story titled UGA football program rallies when players accused of abusing women to be removed. So Georgia sent a nine-page letter today hmm. saying, hey, uh, retract that headline, please. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about that situation. I've heard of some of the stuff that's going on. I don't know if there's uh, – you just never know with the accusations, what, what's real, what's not like what any of the follow-up was. And, you know, a lot of times there's some of these initial stories just kind of disappear as the narrative kind of falls apart on on things. Other times totally legit and, you know, guys end up going to jail over. I, I just don't any, know anything about it. But I'll tell you, like, as small as some of these things appear to be, I guess, I mean, maybe small is not the right word. Um there does feel like there's starting to be quite the accumulation of just 
stuff. And that kind of creates, you know, just a narrative out there with parents, recruits, parents, yep. stuff like that. So like, I don't know that the demise of Georgia's program is right around the corner, but they really need to get a handle on some of this stuff. Uh, last one I have, it's Prime Day. I'm not talking about Deion Sanders. I'm oh. talking about Amazon Prime Day. So uh, I'm sure you'll show up at home tonight. There will be five, six, maybe seven Amazon packages yeah. at the Quick, front door. Do everything you can to buy a bunch of Chinese-made plastic <laughs> junk that you're going to use once and store forever. Amazon. Amazon Prime Day brings out uh, the best in you. I'll I tell love you. It. Amazon has made uh, shopping and getting some things incredibly easy and convenient, but also has been like one of the worst things that could have happened to our society. Uh, last one, excited to see the Atlanta Braves take on the uh, American League All-Stars tonight yeah. in the uh, All-Star game. That'd yeah. be great. They're pretty much starting across the board. Baseball got the best All-Star game? Not that the, the bar is set pretty high. Still have well, does it still because it most years it has does it still have the best all star I game? think so I think it does too I think it's got the best H- NFL doesn't even have one anymore no. do they no I think it I think it has the best um, like it's something that you can go and enjoy for three or four days as a fan as long as it's in a decent place. Uh, see some stars, enjoy the festivities, watch a home run derby, watch the game. There's parties and stuff. It's more of like, it's more of an event than anything else. And for baseball fans, I think it's got to be really enjoyable. Yeah, It's it's the one all-star game that you can really see best against best. There's no defense in the NBA all-star game. Mm-hmm. There was no tackling really whatsoever in the, in the Pro Bowl. So baseball is the closest thing you get to like a real live game setting. So that's yeah. probably what makes it the best. I'm curious to see what happens. It looks like NBA is going to do this midseason tournament deal where the winner of the tournament, all the players get $500,000 on that team. I'm interested to see what that turns into. Is it going to be stupid and no one cares about it, or is it going to be something that's actually pretty cool? They better make it a little bit more appealing than every player gets $500,000, or I'm not going to care about it. That's the price you pay. Come see us in Blanchard. Give us a call at 405-485-3333, or check us out on the web at knippelmeyer.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Do you think you can handle a uh, Doug and Norman text before we hit the top of the hour? I love it. It's a doozy. From I love his text messages. You, uh, well, well, we'll see how you feel uh, here in about 30 seconds. Doug and Norman says, the rush. You guys think Coach Venables should be listed as either the outstanding defensive coordinator or at least the best linebackers coach? About a dose of reality, please. We were one of the worst defenses in all of Power 5, and the biggest failure was the linebackers. The results don't justify your crimson and cream opinions. And quit referring to Coach Schmidt as the man, the myth, the legend. His strength and conditioning had OU being pushed around like little girls the whole season. Well, that's if you think everything that someone is going to do at a program is done... In six months. Um, we just know that's not the case. You don't you don't build an entire roster. You don't – it takes longer than six months to turn 18-year-old young kids into 
um, you know, top tier athletes, right? So it takes a little bit of time. Is that text message suggesting that because Coach Venable's first year at OU, the defense had a bad year, that everything that he's done in the 25 years previous is out the window? That's the way that I understand it, yes. I mean, I can name you a list of linebackers that – it starts, frankly, all the way back at Kansas State with Jeff Kelly and Mark Semino, and it goes all the way until right now. So, that's a bad text. It was a nice try. Like, you're really you trying You said you were to, ready for it, and you love his takes, so. I do, typically, but that one is that one was bad. Like, you got to have a better, op, a, a, something better lined up than just throwing away guys' 20-year coaching history. All right, final hour's next.